Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Torch. I'm Jake. And I'm Kimberly. And today, our guest is Amber Peachin. Welcome, Amber. Hello. Welcome. Or thank you. Thanks for the welcome. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Okay. Thank you, Amber. We're going to tell, tell all of our listeners a little bit about yourself. So Amber is the co-founder and partner storyteller at, at Amplitude Media. She is a writer of words and teller of stories. She's also a human of Earth. And she loves dogs and humans and Susan, who is a little bit of both. So welcome to our show. Thank you. Dogs and humans are my favorite, too. <laughs> dogs yeah. and humans are the best. <laughs> Just to, to be clear to listeners, Susan is my dog. He thinks she's a people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. I was thinking that, too, but I was going to clarify that. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Susan is also um, the director of HR at Amplitude Media. <laughs> so, yeah, if you check out our website, she has a bio. And That's a why there's a dog on. Okay. That's Susan. My mind is totally blown. Yeah. I was like, why is there? Okay. That's Susan. Cool. She's the director of HR. <laughs> so that's why she has a bio and a headshot. But it's I because she hates people and dogs. So she's great <laughs> in HR. She's ruthless. She's ruthless. We call her in for very important meetings when we need to like <laughs> watch our tones and things like that. That's yeah. what Susan's job is. Yeah. I love it. That's so. awesome. So Amber, um, we know that we have a fellow nerd in the studio. Um, so I, I want to phrase our first question a little differently this time. So you have a, a okay. special phrasing of the first question. All right. I'm excited. After looking at your website, um, I've, I've decided that you're a superhero. Mm. And, and as you know, every superhero has a great origin story. What is your origin story? Ooh. Um, as with all superheroes, I have to think how far back to go before I... Um, get into the wrong universe and then mess everything <laughs> up for other people and mess with the time-space continuum and things like that. But um, I grew up as a military brat, so I grew up all over the country, actually. I've lived on both coasts and a couple places in the middle. Um, I went to high school in Utah um, and then spent the first, like, went to college in um, Las Vegas. So, and then finished college in Utah. But I'm one of those people that's lived a couple different lives is what I feel like I say to people. Mm -hmm. um, so I have previous in a previous life owned a, um, a bakery and catering business. Wow. Awesome. So yeah, I did weddings and big events. And like, if you want me to like throw down a meal for a thousand people, that's really not a big deal. I can totally do that. What? Um, yeah. In my previous life that's i mean cool. i could still probably do it and be fine totally good but yeah totally good i know like, in your in your website you mentioned pancakes quite a few times so you're still i love pancakes pretty good on the baking I'm, front well i don't do it as much as i used to but it's because i have four kids and i've trained them in all of my ways <laughs> yeah. nice and so now i get things without having to do the work so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is that the number one reason to have a kid right the number one reason to have a kid is just don't if you're having kids for a reason <laughs> other than you want them because they will never do what you want them to do when you want them to do it. That's the number one rule. So if you expect your kid to be who you expect them to be, you're just expecting disappointment. <laughs> oh, that's so. Hard facts. Hard, it's hard facts. No, kids are awesome. Kids are fantastic. Um, just don't have a kid because they think you're going to live out all your dreams because they will not. They will do exactly <laughs> the opposite of all the things you think they should do. But um, Which is awesome if your expectation is like, be you and be happy. Then it's a whole different thing. So... Um, yeah, I stayed home and had kids and ran a business out of my basement kitchen for seven or eight years. Um, and Is this still back in Utah? Yeah, this was back in Utah. So I um, moved back there as an adult, actually lived north of Salt Lake um, in a little tiny farming town called Syracuse, Utah, which most people have never heard of, even if they live in Utah. Haven't. So, yeah. but Sounds lovely. 
Um, yes. That's <laughs> the nicest answer I have for that. <laughs> no, it's a great, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful community full of beautiful people, um, mostly. So, yeah, it's, it's a great place. But I, uh, yeah, and then I decided to go back to school to learn how to build my business into a um, humongous super franchise that was going to take over the world. And um, I took my first marketing class, actually, and our professor, um, the whole goal of the entire class was to build a marketing plan for a business. And um, it had to be an actual business you could build, and you got extra credit points if it was a business that it really existed that you had real numbers from, and then you got extra bonus points if it was your business. So I was already, oh. like, in the, you know, I was, like, in year six and a half of my of my business. And wow. so, and my ex-husband, who was my husband at the time, was a CPA, so my accounting was phenomenal and he made me do all the hard work so I'd done all the cost accounting I knew like I could tell you how much each cup of flour cost how much each egg cost how much so I was sure that I was profitable kind of a thing so my professor loved this Mm -hmm. and I was the example for the class and so that everybody else didn't hate me I just brought in treats a lot but nice that's (laughs) so good I was thinking that I was like you had a lot of good advantages here right you were already in the extra extra bonus territory right but then that's that's the person that everybody hates right and I have a hard They're time. They're just jealous. Being, well, that's you just bring cookies and yeah. cupcakes, and then they like yeah, you. Yeah, they want to be you Fortune. after a while, right? Exactly. And they're just mad that they aren't. Exactly. That's yeah. what I tell myself <laughs> in my super humble moments. <laughs> like, so yeah, so I. But by the time I was done with my with my um, entire business plan, you're supposed to turn it in as your final project, and then have a meeting about your business with the professor. And um, he was so excited. He's like, when are you going to do this? When are you launching? Let me help you get funding. Like, we'll open this bakery. It'd be awesome and all of these things. And I was like, actually, after doing the business plan, like, this was the most eye-opening thing I could have ever done because I can see that it doesn't matter if I work every night and every weekend, which is when you work when you're doing catering and weddings, mm-hmm. um, I will never see my kids. And um, and other than never seeing my kids, I would never make more than, you know, maybe forty, forty thousand 40000 a year, 45000 a year, maybe. And that was 10 years out after paying off loans. And I was like, yeah. And then I'd be stuck, too. And I was like, I don't, I don't want this life. Mm-hmm. So this has helped me choose to close this chapter. So thank you. Like, it was very, very helpful. And, like, all of this work is work I should have done before, which is why I tell business owners when I talk to them, like, what is your plan? Where mm-hmm. are you going? Mm-hmm. What are you hoping to achieve? What are the numbers? What does it show? Because it's like, it can help you make a decision. I loved baking. But it wasn't the life I wanted to live at the end of the day. And so I closed that chapter of my life and finished school in public relations and advertising. So there's my origin story. And then, um, yeah. How did you come to Arizona? Oh, so, um, yeah, I finished school at Weber State in Ogden um, and um, loved it. Like, if you want to be in communications, that's the school to go to, actually. Like, their communications program is amazing. Um, And then... Um, I graduated in December of 2013, and we found out in November of 2013 that my husband, now ex-husband's job, was moving us to Arizona. So mm-hmm. he worked for um, a trucking company that was being acquired by another trucking company, and um, he, as a he was one of the um, the controllers of the company. And mm-hmm. so they moved all the admin services and all of the like all of the financial services and stuff here to Phoenix. So it was perfect timing. Moved down here and then found my my job that I've got, um, I've worked at an advertising agency here in town for a few years, 
trying to remember how many years before mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I could probably do this by myself mm-hmm. because why not? Mm-hmm. Right. And um, I did. And so I launched Amplitude Media, um, informally launched it doing just like freelance work and stuff and then ended up meeting up with Reed and that's when we formed the wonderful conglomerate that we are now of two people awesome. with a handful of really special people that we call Plus when we need Susan. To. Plus Susan. Yeah, Susan. Um, and then Susan actually showed up on my doorstep. So what? she showed up on my doorstep. It was September 1st and it was already like 105 degrees outside. And I actually had a friend in town visiting from California and I was making pancakes. Um, cause as I, one does. As one does. I was making her pancakes <laughs> and we were having, a, you know, and mimosas. And, um, and my kids are like, mom, there's this dog and she's lost and she's sick. And I'm like, I have somebody here. Like, no, <laughs> no, we don't need a dog. I don't need a dog. I'm not a dog person. If Susan hears us, I'm sorry, Susan. But then it was like, (laughs) and then they brought her in and this dog was literally dying. Like she was like, she was matted and she was terrified and she was just skin and bones. And she was, and I'm like, okay, give her some water. Let's feed her some pancakes, which you shouldn't (laughs) feed dogs pancakes. But we have some adorable pictures. And then. (laughs) That's awesome. um, And then when, after my friend left, we took her to the vet and wasn't shipped. And so I was like. We will find her family. I'm really good at this whole advertising thing. We will find. <laughs> it's like Homeward Bound. And so we made these posts. And my kids just started calling her Susan, which was kind of hilarious because they felt like she answered to it. <laughs> and they're like, they're trying all of these different names. And she perked up when they said Susan. So like, well, it must be Susan. And yeah. she was just Susan after that. And I'm like, well, that's hilarious because she sounds like an old lady. And I thought she was an old dog, too. Mm-hmm. And um. So we actually uh, made all of these posters called Are You Desperately Seeking Susan? <laughs> and we'd taken all of these glamour shots that we put on it of her. And then we had this whole story about how, you know, like, who she was and what she liked and what she didn't like and who she, like, all of these things. And then at the bottom, only because I received multiple messages, how do you know her name's Susan if she didn't have tags on? <laughs> <laughs> I did like asterisks. I'm like, we don't really know if her name is Susan or not. That's just what we're calling her. <laughs> we can do whatever. We made our, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. We made our best guess, right? <laughs> right, right. She didn't tell us, but that was the only <laughs> name she could write. So we figured that must be it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's so. And then you know, within like a week or two, she was. Yeah. She she pinpointed me as the person she needed to win over, and she did. And, and nobody else claimed her, so we kept her. But the vet was like she estimated that she was like only a year and a half old oh wow so she's a puppy she's like a puppy and then she became a new dog like every six or seven weeks she would like transform some other new thing would happen where she's like oh she now plays with toys oh she now rolls in the dirt like all of these things that she'd never done when we'd had her mm-hmm. and the vet was like yeah she's regressing so she can live through her puppyhood because she's Aww. safe now and i'm like Oh, well, Crying. my little heart breaks. I'm like, who knows what she did before she had us. But yeah. anyway, she's the best. Going back to starting um, your creative agency, what instigated that? What inspired the move? So um, when I was hired at this company that I was working at, I um, had very little experience. You know, I, I worked at several different internships when I was in college. Um, and we had an on on-campus PR agency that I ran. Mm. So I managed a team of like 30 other students and we had five actual real-life clients that we're doing stuff for. Um, and so I felt like I had a pretty good handle on things, but um, in the advertising world, none of your experience counts until you're hired in an agency. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it's all about time. It's not about 
how quickly you acquire knowledge. It's not about how great you are with clients. It's not about the kind of placements you get. It's all about years put in. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much you have to pay your dues and you get paid jack squat while doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, which is just agency culture um, because it's old school. It's so old school. And um, for me, I came into it and I'm like, I may have very little like professional experience in this realm, but I've run a business. I am an adult human who has a life experience that contributes. I like all of these different things. And so um, that was a little frustrating. And I was also pigeonholed mm-hmm. very much into PR. And I think PR is insanely valuable. It's um, you it, like it is, I think, the most powerful form of marketing and advertising is PR. And it's part of that bucket. Um, it works well in conjunction with other paid campaigns and things like that. But you have to know who you are as a brand, be able to talk about it, and have other people talk about it for you mm-hmm. in order for you to have that credibility. Um, but a lot of larger, a lot of clients didn't really understand that, and so that was frustrating. And and they and PR is people when they think PR, they think media. They're getting media attention, and that's only one facet of PR. PR is so much larger and more complicated than that, but also more simple. It's about relationships, and it's about conversations, and it's about building community. And um, it's owning your own content as well. It's all mm-hmm. of those things. Um, and we were caught in a very old school definition of what it was and then um, kept in a very siloed sort of space within the agency. within the And, and so um, for me, I was like, I have so many other things to offer. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm, I'm literally getting my hands slapped for offering them. Um, and I, I got in trouble once for bringing in, for making a contact at an event who wanted to be a client. Um, and I was told that wasn't okay because I wasn't on the I wasn't on the business development team. Oh come on! Yeah, and so yeah, and I was like, huh, interesting. So we've got this person who's just gotten like like a million dollars in funding, and they're looking for an agency. They're looking for what we do, but because I'm not the right person to have this conversation, that doesn't work. And that doesn't work for me. Like I'm a all hands on deck, everybody does what needs to be done kind of a person. Mm-hmm. We all want to succeed together, kind of a thing. And so um. There was that, and then there was some um, management problems in my direct department as well, and that was hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And so everybody, including that manager who was a problem, by the time I left had quit. And I had been running my department for four or five months by myself. (laughs) And Yeah, and so I'm like, yeah, and I had a team of freelancers that I was working with, that I was managing. I had, like, all of these things. But I was like, if I can do this inside of this ginormous company... I can definitely do it for myself, for clients that I choose. And, you know, instead of making by the time I – like, and I was always consistently 60, 65 hours a week, wow. consistently. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I still don't see my kids, and I'm still not making any money. Right. <laughs> like, so, this is not – I'm not going to the next step from the baking right. business. Exactly. And so I was like, I just needed to um, – I needed to be able to see my kids and feed them at the same time. It was kind of my goal. And so I um, – and then I had a friend at the time, too, who – had and this was like my, my final catalyst was the friend saying that this was an okay thing to do, which is an interesting thing. Um, because I feel like we all need this sometimes is somebody to like pull us out of our microchasm and say, like, what is the logical thing here? And so he was like, he, you know, how was work? And I was like, oh, I almost quit, like, it was awful. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, you need to feed your kids, so you should probably not do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not even feeding my kids, like, I feel like I'm barely making it. And mm-hmm. you know, he's like, well, how much do you have in like, how? how long do you think it would take you to find actual clients? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe three months. And he's like, how long 
do you have in savings? Mm-hmm. Like, how long could you live with zero income? I'm mm-hmm. like, maybe four or five months, maybe. If It would be tight, but I could do it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so quit. And he's like, and if you don't have clients in three months, get another job. Mm-hmm. He's like, what's the worst that could happen? Wow, he really inspired you. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I guess I could just do that. And once I sat down and, like, looked at the actual numbers and did the, like, the very linear analytical thinking that's required to make that decision versus my, like, crazy sporadic circular thinking, which is what I normally do, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And I went in and I resigned the next day. Wow. And and it was, um, yeah, it was, like, the, and that's where it's, like, the best decisions I've ever made in my life is quitting something that isn't working instead of trying to make it work more. And um, it was the same. It was like that catalyst of doing that marketing, that marketing project for my class, where I was like, "Oh, this is taking up space and hindering me from moving forward." And it's not that it wasn't a valuable experience and valuable time because it was amazing. Like the things I learned from running my own business at that time were wholly different than the things I'm learning from running my own business this time. But it was the same way. Like I learned fantastic things at the agency I worked at. I met amazing humans who are still my friends to this day that I still rely on and can call be like, you know, I'm stuck in this thing. Like, what do you think? What would you do? And they do the same for me. So we have that like two way reciprocal relationship kind of a thing. But it's like, I couldn't move on and do my own thing until I shut that door. Mm-hmm. until I close that chapter until, I, you know, taking the leap and all the motivational posters you can think of. But it's, that's where it's like closing a chapter to open a new chapter is healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think in our society so much is seen as not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you need to let go of the past before you can move forward. And well, it's seen it's seen as as failure, you know. Uh-huh. Like you didn't achieve the highest level of this area, so therefore you failed, right? Yep. So that's where a lot of the fear comes from, I think. Well, and you could say that about like quitting school to launch to do something else, which people do. You could say that about getting divorced. You could mm-hmm. say that about leaving. Um, you know, choosing a different path than the rest of your family has chosen when it comes to where you're going to live or mm-hmm. your lifestyle choices or your religion or any of those things. Mm-hmm. When other people are disappointed in you because you're not making the choices that they made, it's the same thing going back to having kids. Like if, if your expectation is they're going to fulfill all of your life dreams then you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But as the person who is also a child who has parents who are going to be disappointed in them, I, like, I'm sure I'm the only one here who ever feels that way. Right. Um <clears throat> Like, you have to make your decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And your family's going to be disappointed. And they're not going to understand. My family didn't. And they, they still are confused a lot of the times. So and mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's not their job to understand. Right. Yeah. It's their job to love me. <laughs> that's our <laughs> cool. moment of the day. But, yeah, it's the same thing. You have, to, you have to close chapters and move forward. And then that's when the good stuff happens. So when you made the leap, how did you get those first few clients? So my first few clients actually came from my agency that I was working for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd signed a non-compete, so I couldn't directly take clients. But they had two clients that if that I was their only contact at the agency and had been for a couple of years. They had zero other relationships at the agency, and they loved me as a human. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so they knew if I left that they were going to lose these clients. Um, and so they asked me to stay on as a contractor for those those two clients. Mm-hmm. And so I went from working... Um, 65 hours a week um, to have taking just these two clients and I, I think my billable hours I could bill for them was like was like 48 and a half hours a month or something and um, when I worked 48 hours and a half hours a month 
um, under an hourly contract rate, I made as much as I did in my paychecks when I was working full time as a salaried employee. Wow. Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And I was like, and I'd asked for raises and promotions for months and months and months, and they wouldn't do it. But that gave me the, the buffer to be able to go out and find other clients. Nice. And mostly um, what I do is I just talk to people, and um, which is kind of the opposite of what people, like, you know, if you're a creative agency, you should be out there doing your own advertising and marketing and stuff. And we do a fair amount of other things as well, but our most success comes from meeting people and building relationships. And so that's really and and it's not all in person. So it's not all like in person. So it's not all in like showing up to networking events and glad handing people and handing out business cards because that never works. It's not how it works. And people think it is. And Mm -hmm. it's just not how it works. Well, Um, the way I view that is like everyone else is there to do the same. So it's like, yeah, well, and I my thing, too, is like I'm not there. So I actually like. I started out just doing mostly copywriting, actually, and I was like, I can write words really well. <clears throat> I don't always speak words really well, but I can write <laughs> words really well. And so I would um, I would go to events that were sideways. So a lot of PR people would go to, like, the PRSA events and they'd go to, like, whatever. And I'm like, I want to talk to nerds and write about nerd stuff. So I'm going to go to tech meetups. I'm going to go to WordCamp. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to know, like, who are the – I'm going to go to the Hacker Nest events. Like, that's who I want to write for. And so that's where I'm going to show up. And I'm going to show people who don't have my skills. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I could build these, con- I could have a conversation with somebody and they're like, oh, you actually understand and get this stuff. Okay, that's cool. And then um, and then the, they assume, they're like, oh, you must be a whatever you people here are. I'm like, actually, no, I'm a writer. And I'm looking for people to write for. And because we've built this relationship already, then it's like, oh, I actually need that. And I know some people who need that. I'm like, yep, you do. Yeah, much more <laughs> authentic. Well, and, I, and I, we joke all the time that, like, advertising has to be authentic and real, and those are our, our buzzwords, and I hate them, but it's actually true. Mm-hmm. And it's not even just – it's marketing yourself. It's how you market your brand. And so it's, like, you know, that's – it's an important thing. But I've also, um, like, land I've landed actually – this week will be the fifth client I've landed via Facebook group. Wow. And – Every single time, it's not going out there and saying, "I." somebody's like, I'm looking to build a brand. And I'm like, I build brands. That's not how it works. Like, instead, it's like, um, somebody asks a question, and I give a response. Mm-hmm. And I'm helpful, and as helpful as I can be in my response, and I never want to sell my services. Mm-hmm. I just answer their question, give them the information they need, and then offer to follow up with them more questions. And, um, like, that was, that was a client that's hopefully contracts out not signed yet but i had answered a question a year ago in a group mm-hmm. about branding and had um and then she had searched the group because she's starting a new project and looking for branding help so she was searching the group for branding ideas came across my answer mm-hmm. and then sent me a message and said i really would like to ask you some more questions can i do that and then a 30 minute call and contract sent cool and wow that's where like that's where the cool stuff happens though is like that human to human real relationship kind of thing and that's where like we've done a few presentations and things too um where like people ask us to present reed and i both and we show up and it's not about selling our services because that's such a turnoff mm-hmm. and i don't know why other people don't see what a turnoff it is yeah but it's like i'm going to tell you all the things that i know 
as well as many things that I can tell you that I know in an hour's time I'm going to tell you them and I'm going to do it in a fun creative way because otherwise you're just listening to a lecture that's really no fun at all right and then people remember that and then they contact you later and they're like you have this thing and I always follow up with like 30 minutes of free like anything you want to know like not a big deal I'll have a conversation because I love humans Mm -hmm. I just do and they're delicious. I mean, that's like <laughs> the super creepy part. <laughs> but you said it in a really up li- like upbeat tone, so so yeah. we believe it. Yeah. See? <laughs> See, exactly. So, at, at what point did you start to grow your team from just it was just you and Reed, right? And then how did you go about picking your team? Well, our first teammate showed up on our doorstep. We already covered that. Yeah. Uh, right. But, Susan. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> she's the best, actually. She's the best teammate we have. Um, she never complains. She's too, she's an employee of the month regularly. And she always <laughs> sees the best in people. She does. She's actually really good at seeing the worst of people first because she doesn't <laughs> trust anyone. Oh, right, because so. she was a, a stray. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. hates everyone. But um, we actually, so, um, and this is a conversation we've had repeatedly where it's like, do we want to hire or do we want to contract? Mm-hmm. And we keep coming back to um, we prefer to work at, with contractors as partners and members of our team, but um, not um, we have call them 1099 employees instead mm-hmm. of W-2 employees. Mm-hmm. And so um, largely it's word of mouth, actually. We like will know somebody that knows somebody, get a recommendation, work with them. Or there are people that I've worked with previously in my agency life, other people who've worked or who are now freelancing or have a side gig or things like that. And it um, it works for us because we can scale up and scale down as needed without knowing that we're somebody's sole source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also our five-year plan as a company is, I mean, we're to- completely remote right now. Most of our clients are not here in Phoenix. Um, they're around the country. Um, so um, everything we do needs to be movable. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that, you know the bakery business I was like I don't want to f- feel stuck to a physical location mm-hmm. and um reads very much the same way where we both are kind of wander lusty and you know I have um my f- I guess it's a four-year plan now is to um have enough income coming in and enough steadiness of other projects so we have our we have our projects our client projects and then we have personal projects or business projects that are separate from that mm-hmm. um to build residual income recurring income that comes in based on products versus services and um, to have that build up to a place that um, I can travel full time and work from the road and so cool yeah I bought my van in December wow congrats that's cool yeah I'm in the process of of filling of uh, building out the inside right now so um, that I can have a full-time adventure van so that Susan can be a full-time adventure dog (laughs) awesome that's amazing yeah yeah super awkward reed doesn't know i'm taking the dog when i do that but (laughs) now he does now he does sorry reed (laughs) reed's not invited he has to get his own van yeah then you guys can hit the carpool lanes (laughs) caravan we'll just caravan Yeah. yeah so i've been in the freelance field as a freelance videographer do you have any advice for creatives who want to make money being creative um, it would be the same advice as I would have for anybody who wants to make money being creative, and it's to value yourself and your services and your talents. And then other people will value them too. But I do feel like creative humans have a really hard time doing that mm-hmm. um, because they like what they do, and other people see that they like what they do and take advantage of that. Um, I love to write. 
writing is like my my base creativity is in writing. Um, that's where I'm I'm most creative. That's where I'm uh, most talented. To be totally humble, but it's where I excel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. But it's still a lot of work, and it takes time out of my day, mm-hmm. and it takes time out of my life. And um, if I want to write for fun, I have a thousand projects I'm working on for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to write for your project, you need to value my time, and my services, and my brain, and my creative, the creativity that I have that you don't. That's what you're paying for. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm creative doesn't mean that um, it's not worth money. And so um, it really comes down to creatives being willing to put a price on it. And my advice there, because creatives are always like, I don't even know. And I do that myself. It's the hardest part. But once you have a set, um, if you sit down and say, like, if I'm going to write this thing, I mean, it might only be a paragraph long. But how long does it take me to get to that paragraph mm-hmm. and have that paragraph be of quality? And then I actually usually turn around and I say, and what is this paragraph worth to the person who's paying for it? Because they're not paying for 30 minutes of my time to write a paragraph. They're paying for something that is going to make them millions of dollars, hopefully, because it describes their company in a way that makes other people want to work with them. Mm-hmm. The value of those words is higher than a two-line tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two-line tweets can be pretty valuable, too. And so it's like, it's not, it's not stop exchanging time for, time for money as a creative, which is what we want to do. Instead, exchange value for money. Mm-hmm. What is the value of this project? I worked so, with a videographer once um, on a client project who actually, um, I love the way he phrased it with her. He's like, we can either create a work of art or we can create a tool for your toolbox. They require different amounts of time and energy and different kinds of equipment. And they have different costs. But they have a different value as well. Mm-hmm. So here are my packages. And here's what I offer. And here's what you get for them. And this is the work of art. And and this is the tool for your toolbox end. And then I have a couple options. In I the like middle. that. It's fantastic. And that's where it's like I think framing the conversation that way makes him like he gets to say like this is my creative process and my creative things. And I love to create fantastic, beautiful works of art that I'm just passionate about. It's go- if I'm going to do that for you for your passion project, it's going to cost you money, mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And we're in a field of business and that's what we should be doing and so but it's the same thing actually that I tell kids when I talk to kids about what they want to be when they grow up is um, don't let grown-ups tell you that you can't do whatever you want and make money from it because mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. and um, I get in trouble sometimes like I was talking to a friend of mine at book club who's an attorney and he's like I don't like my job I go to my job and I'm good at my job and it pays the bills so I can go do what I want to do the rest of my life mm-hmm. and I'm like that's good for you if that works <laughs> But I wake up in the morning and do what I love, and I do it all day long, every day. For creatives, it's finding what the market is for your creative talent and skill. And it's going to be different for everyone. So videographers, you're going to have to find projects that are going to pay you money to do what you love to do. But there are ways to do that where you don't feel like you're selling your soul. Mm-hmm. Like, if you hate weddings, don't tape weddings. Like, <laughs> exactly. I've said no to weddings. <laughs> yeah, and isn't that an empowering He did a, he did a really good wedding, too. But one. it was I did one. One. Yeah. <laughs> Wedding pressure is the worst. As a yeah, as a cake person. Mm. Yeah. The the reason there's an upcharge for wedding cakes is because the pain and the stress and the drama that comes with it. Mm-hmm. It's the same size cake as that anniversary cake I'm making for this business, but you're gonna pay a three times premium because I have to deal with your mom. 
Like, at <laughs> the end of the day, like, that's the rule, right? No, that's good. I, like, I, there's a point when you're a freelancer is when, when you both realize and become empowered to figure out what are the things you like doing and the things you don't like doing, and then you can say yes or no to those things. I realized at a certain point that I hate high-pressure anxiety situations, so I don't do live stuff and I don't do um, weddings. So, you know, you kind of um, figure it out as you go. Yeah. Well, and, and there is a time, too, where you, I at least for most normal humans, you have to say, like, okay, I'm going to do some of the stuff I don't like in order to get the stuff I do like. Mm-hmm. And, and there is that. So I said one time I was in a car. I was driving a car full of people from my agency to lunch, actually, because um, I had the biggest car because four kids. <laughs> but... Anyway, and one of the, my interns, because I was running our intern program at the time, she's like, how do you decide like what part of advertising you want to go into? How do you decide what you want to do with the rest of your life? And I told her, I said, you know what I do is I, I follow the things that make me happy. I relentlessly pursue joy is kind of my phrase yeah. that I use. And I'm like, and if it doesn't make me happy, if it doesn't bring me joy in my life, I just don't do it. And um, to which our media director lost his mind he's like you cannot say that to impressionable interns i'm like this is when you should say it yeah and i'm like you should like what makes you happy go do that and and it's like my my mary poppins point of view or my pollyanna or whatever like your happiness thing is but i'm like i feel like we have placed value of being miserable at work in this country like that is our, if you are happy doing what you're doing, you're not working hard enough because mm-hmm. work should be soul sucking and awful and painful. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if it's not that, then you're not doing it right. And so I propose it's the opposite. If you go to work every day and you hate your job and you hate what you're doing, then you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. You either never find joy in what you're doing or go do something else. Mm-hmm. And you can always go do something else. And I even as I say that, I hear myself saying that's such a privileged point of view, Amber. But I think that there are resources out there to help people actually do what they want to do and find it but you have to have the motivation first to find out what that is and and i'm surprised too how many people out there actually don't know what brings them joy Mm -hmm. and that's the first place is like what does bring me joy what does bring me happiness and um and it doesn't have to be your job but you should be doing a lot of it like if you love painting but don't think you can make a living from it you should be doing a lot of painting and you might just find out that people like what you do but if they don't and you love doing it does it matter this is, a, this is making me reconsider my whole life right now, Amber. Well, are you saying you're not happy? No, that's not, not at all. <laughs> you're saying this you need to do more painting? No, just more cooking. More cooking. Uh, it's creative. Mm-hmm. It's a creative process. Mm-hmm, totally is. Come to my house. I'll make you cinnamon cream cheese pancakes oh, with what? buttermilk so- syrup. Oh, Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I'm so hungry. That sounds so good. That phrase made <laughs> oh me goodness. weak. I'm on Whole30 right now, so oh. I can't have anything Tragic. good. <laughs> Cinnamon really. Rolls. Cinnamon <laughs> I know there's Waffles. a there's like there's a there's about six dozen donuts downstairs right now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. walk past <clears> them. <throat> they looked good. Those are from Bashes. Bashes up to their donut game. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna jump into five fast facts okay. about Amber. So this is more of whatever comes to your head first. Don't think about it too much. But best book series ever. Not just book, but series. Best book series ever? I'm going to go with Harry Potter. Thanks. Like, it's a pretty classic, but I've actually just started the Game of Thrones series, and I'm loving, loving them, too. But 
Harry Potter's up there. Harry Potter's probably my favorite. I was hoping, I was hoping you were going to choose that. Harry Potter's got a lot of like great, just like lessons for young people, you know? And old people. And, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, There's yeah. lessons for everyone. I want to return to it. I've, I've been, I've been like considering, I've been orbiting rereading them, but. You, you know. should. <laughs> How long has it been? I haven't, I, I finished Deathly Hollows, I think bef- like right before the movie came out. Okay. So it's been that long. Yeah, that's about about for me too. Mm-hmm. I need to. I think I need to reread them with my kids. Yeah, that would be so great. I want to have kids just so that I can read them Harry Potter. So my kids are how old? They're like twenty, sixteen, fifteen, uh-huh. fourteen. But um, only the oldest has read Harry Potter. Oh no! And so we actually were going hopefully on an epic, epic road trip in July. Depending on the state of the van, we may just <laughs> listen to them on Audible for <gasps> our drive. That would, that would be awesome. so fun with all the British voices. Oh my goodness! Yes, yes. Stephen Fry does an amazing job. And Stephen Fry. So I listened to him on an interview the other day. He was talking about recording for for Harry Potter. And he said his first one. He's like, so this unknown author, Joanna. Um, he's like was there for all of the things and it was important to her every single word in the book was read these are unabridged readings every single word was read there's a phrase in the first book this is Harry pocketed it and he's like and I could not say it he's like Harry pocketed it and he's like it sounded like I had a stutter and he's like finally I was like please Joanna can we just say like Harry put it in his pocket and she's like she looks at me and she goes nope Yes. And then that phrase has appeared in every single book since. Oh, I never knew <laughs> that. That's amazing. That awesome. is amazing. <laughs> anyway, that's fun. So, yeah. Next, best superhero movie or other movie. But I just said superhero because of the superhero theme. Right, because of the superhero theme. I and mean, this is a thing, like, I'm not that kind of nerd, actually. Like, oh, you're not. My kids fan. love superheroes. They love, they dress up, they go to Comic Con. Mm-hmm. I'm like the nerd who's like, let's talk about astrophysics. <laughs> let's, okay, it could just be favorite <laughs> movie let's, then. Let's talk about, you know. But I do, I love, I love a good superhero movie. I love actually um, any of the. Um, now I'm forgetting his superhero, Tony Stark. Iron Man. Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah, because I love, I love Iron Man. They're so good. They're so good, but he's so funny. He's so funny. And so cute. Yeah. We yeah. just rewatched those with my little cousin like a month ago because he had never seen the first two, mm-hmm. and I hadn't seen the first one since I saw it in the theaters. So I was like, because that movie's over 10 years old now. It's It started the whole... The whole Marvel thing. thing. Yes, yeah. it did. And it yeah. was so good still. It really held up. I was like, wow, this is such a cool movie. And it was, I mean, you can tell how far graphics and special effects have come. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was still an awesome movie. Yeah. That's a was, good choice. Yeah. And Guardians of the Galaxy is pretty good, too. Like that, that, yes. Okay. We all have, we're all a different Guardian <laughs> in my house, so. <laughs> nice. Yeah. See, you're a superhero. Okay. Best cartoon. Oh, I am I'm Bob's Burgers. All oh. right. I'm, <laughs> I did it. I Brittany kn- would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, I have a feeling. I had a feeling you were going to choose Harry Potter, so I almost I was uh, a little unfair, but I literally wrote what is your favorite what is your Harry Potter house? Oh, I'm 100% a Gryffindor. Nice. Mm, mm. Yeah, 100%. Do you, know, do you know yours? Gryffindor. Gryffindor? Mm-hmm. What are you? Yeah. Uh Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. interesting, right? Yeah. Don't hear Sticking much about the Ravenclaws. Okay, you don't. I really don't. <clears throat> Gryffindors and Slytherins are like, look at me. <laughs> yeah. Last but not least, your favorite place to vacation or a dream place that you haven't been? Um, so I'm one of those weird people that like like to go somewhere new every single time. And so, yeah, I think my favorite trip ever was my Belize trip. So Ooh. I, 
yeah, it was the first. I would I just quit my job, so I was like freelancing and loose and fancy free and not tied down to a location. And um, I um, was like, I need to leave the country for Thanksgiving because I didn't have my kids for Thanksgiving. And I had like a three week stint while I wasn't going to have my kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And so I bought a ticket to the cheapest place that I could buy a ticket to within four days and bought a ticket to Belize and got on a plane and had new, I thought they spoke Spanish in Belize. <laughs> like I knew nothing. I knew zero. Mm-hmm. I knew zero. And I was excited to work on Spanish for a couple weeks, right? Yeah. And I show up and they speak English and <laughs> I literally show up with zero plan and I spent, you know, two and a half weeks just wandering the country and making friends and staying in hostels. And it was amazing. That's pretty cool. It was amazing. Yeah. Bo- bonus question on the five fast facts kind of rolling it in we always ask this question if you could meet one person living or dead who would it be and why (sighs) i know who you wrote on your form do you remember it's been a while i don't remember what i wrote on my form daily show oh trevor noah because he's my secret boyfriend (laughs) it's a secret to everyone including him but that's okay and now it's not a secret to you guys i think he's so brilliant have you guys read his book no. So his book, um, his book, Born a Crime, is actually it's a listen, not a read. Um, and mm. I usually am like, you should read this, not listen to it. But this is the opposite because he reads it. Mm. So you get his voice. Which and is, his timing. And his timing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also get like he there's a lot of um, other languages in there. And so he reads in other languages that he and he translates them clearly. But he's like because he speaks like seven languages. So smart. He's so smart. And he's just a brilliant. He's such a kind, compassionate human, too. It's such a like open view of the world, but I am like, I am a huge communication nerd. Like mm-hmm. I love communication theory. I love talking about why people think the way they do and what they're trying to say when they're saying, like this is my brain on major major drugs. But I'm just like, but he talks every chapter. He there's some sort of a lesson about communication in it. Cool. Some sort of like a tie back. He's like you know, and it's it's um, where he'll say he'll tell you this whole story that's hysterical. And you're like just dying laughing or you're sobbing because those are the two emotions you feel through this entire book. Wow. Or you're sobbing and laughing at the same time. Like it is it's a crazy book. But then he was like, and that's when I learned that if you could speak just three words in somebody's language, then you were their friend mm. and then you were no longer a threat. And it was like and it, it's just like these little lessons come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fantastic book. Everybody should listen to it. It'll teach you more about business and humaning than any business book you could read. Because it's all about communication and building relationships. Cool. I'm definitely going to add that. I'm so sold. I'm yeah. Gonna, it's going to be the first audiobook I think I take up, I think, since Harry Potter. <laughs> so. Well, if you sign up for Audible, you get one free audiobook, and that oh. could be the one. I need to, like, you know, get an endorsement for that on my <laughs> I know <laughs> myself. I get credits. Like, <laughs> Forward it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so we're going to shift gears a little and talk about Phoenix Startup Week. It's been right. a minute, right? It's been a minute. We're actually gearing up for next year already. Nice. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about um, how you kind of became involved and some of the highlights of this year. Yeah. So um, I um, actually became involved because uh, Mike Jones from Resound asked me if asked Reed and I if we'd join the team and help out, largely because we had brought some problems to him last year the year before last, um, some problems specifically with diversity and inclusion. And so um, I have a pretty strong philosophy of you don't get to criticize people if you're not willing to chip in and help. And I usually say it to my kids, I'm like, don't whine and complain unless you're willing to do something about it. So <laughs> um, so when Mike asked for us if we would be willing to come and help um, change the branding and the tone of the of Startup Week to be more diverse and inclusive, 
um, it was a yes for sure. Cause, and I also like, I love Phoenix. I, I mean, I've only been here, I think I've been here five years Nice. and, but I love it. I love the town. I love the vibe. I love the entrepreneurship community here. I love the tech community here. It's mm-hmm. just good people doing good things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if I could help us do that a little bit better then the answer was definitely yes. Cool. So, yeah. So talk about the highlights this year. It seemed to go really well and awesome star uh, star lineup of folks from different industries. That's what we really appreciated was it wasn't only tech focused. Um, so Yeah, well that was part of our thing was so Kate and Mike um, they're like they wanted to go with a, a feeling of empowered diversity. And as a marketing team and as a branding team, we broke that down. We're like, okay, well, we need to pick some ways that mean something. Because you can say empowered diversity. If there's nothing behind it, it doesn't mean anything. And so that's where we came up with the theme of um, Thrive Together. Uh, because if all of if we're all working together, then we can all thrive. And I think that's actually one of the things that makes Phoenix, the Phoenix business scene, at least the people I interact with regularly, different than most other tech cities, is that it's it's not cutthroat and competitive. There's enough work here for everyone. Mm-hmm. And if we all work together, it's a whole, you know, rising tide raises all ships kind of mentality. Um, the problem that exists is a problem that exists in a lot of places, whereas um, all of our boats are captained by middle-aged white guys, um, which middle-aged white guys do an okay job, but there are so many other people working the boats that we're just not even seeing. Mm-hmm. And so that's where um, the the idea was to build a bigger table so there could be more voices. And... Um, and then to very specifically reach out to the, the, the voices that we wanted to hear from and invite them to come. And that, I think, is where one of some of our key changes this year came from. As it was, it was broadening the table and saying, who is an entrepreneur? Who is a startup? And, um, and, and instead of saying, like, you have to be in a tech-focused business and you have to be a founder and you have to, or you have to be a CTO and you have to, like, in order to qualify to even feel like you have a voice at this conference, mm-hmm. instead it was we're trying to start all of Phoenix. And are you an entrepreneur? Do you work with entrepreneurs? Or do you feel like you're an entrepreneur who works with Like, it's a, you, you get to define that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to define that. Do you feel like your company services startups? Do you feel like your company is a startup? Like, we're not going to have, like, I'm a, I'm a creative agency who works with tech agencies, but I'm largely a creative agency, but who's also very techy. You know, we build, we build websites. We've, you know, worked on a couple of apps, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we have those skills, but are we a tech startup? No, we're a creative agency, but we still have value to add. Mm-hmm. And why would you want to go to a conference and only hear about people in your own exact industry who are doing exactly the same thing you're doing? And that's where it was like, we need to make sure, like, when we think of business owners, like the, and especially here at the BBB, like you, the grassroots business owner is mm-hmm. the plumber. Mm-hmm or the electrician, mm-hmm. or the drywall yep. company, or the, like, it's those those skills that are invaluable that are actually probably at a lower risk of being replaced by robots than some Absolutely. of these other skills. And running the economy. <laughs> and running the economy. They're like the, gra- like the base, and it's, um, and it, and that's the thing that, so that's one of the things I learned actually when I had those, those clients at the agency that I worked at was, um, First of all, how high tech the automotive industry is. Ooh, yeah. So high tech. Like these kids, and I say kids, they're adult humans, but <laughs> they're like 20, so they feel like kids to me. Anyway, <laughs> they um, the first thing they do when you are diagnosing a car is you hook it up to your laptop. I know. It's crazy. And there are more components in a car. There are more computer components in a car than there are in the first spaceship. 
Yes. Like, like it's insane. You, you have to be high technologiable in order to work on them. But you don't go to college. You go to a trade school mm-hmm. because that's where you learn the very specific knowledge and information you need. Mm-hmm. And, like, one of the things that kills me is people are like, you know, it's just a grease monkey or whatever. And I'm like, you know what a diesel tech makes five years out of school with an endorsement from Cummins? 150, 200,000. <laughs> full benefits, full retirement package, bonuses. They'll make more money than most people coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And guess how many loans they have left at the end? Zero. Zero. Because the industry pays for their education because they're so highly needed right now. Mm-hmm. And so those are the things that we don't think about. And and so that at Startup Week, it was one of the things, like, I'm like, we need to have, and th- and it wasn't just me. We The whole team was like, we need to include multiple industries mm-hmm. and have multiple perspectives. Because the thing is, is that there's a there's a gap there, too. Because in, the, in 2019, if you are a plumber who doesn't have a great website, who doesn't have great SEO, or who isn't using technology to your advantage to schedule your appointments or handle your back end, there are so many things you can learn from technology mm-hmm. that you may not have access to. You should be coming to these talks on small business and learning all of these things. Mm-hmm. But if we don't look to these generations of businesses and small businesses who run for their, like how they stay in business, how they find their clients, how word of mouth is a really important thing. How building relationships and community is, is is essential and a groundwork to having your company be successful. As tech people, we're going to miss out there. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's this, it's this entrepreneurship ecosystem. That's what we started saying a mm-hmm. lot that we need to be healthy in the valley. And if we don't have all kinds of industry and all kinds of business, we won't be successful. So and all kinds of people. I love it. So, thanks for including all of that. That made a big difference from what I could tell this year. It was, um, um, yeah, it was. That was the thing that I loved. The comment I loved most. People are like, um, "It feels different this year." That was the comment I got most often, and that was that was like one of the most common pieces of feedback. It just feels different this year, mm-hmm. and that's what branding is, and that's what's like. It's so it's it's so amazing to me that you can just change the tone of something and it can be the same event but if you start from the ground you start from the ground up and you're like how can we make this feel different mm-hmm. and that people and, and and it happens and it and I wasn't expecting it honestly to be completely honest I wasn't expecting the feeling to change this year mm. I was expecting it to take a year or two because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people are we're hard, hardwired to resist change and not like it and not enjoy it but I think um there were by the end, there were 30 people on the core organizing team. Wow. Yeah. And if you see some of the pictures of our core organizing team, we have a variety of ages, races, experience, industries. Like, we started with a team that was diverse so we could reach people who were diverse. And, uh, like, just amazing skills. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, I've learned so much from just working on this team, just from people I wouldn't have normally interacted with. Yeah. Just because we're in different industries and different places and now they're dear friends so that's awesome yeah but good work thanks no it, it wasn't just me i was throwing that out like yeah but the whole team the whole Everyone. team it was yeah it was a team effort and it was a lot of work yeah. three venues in six days is a ton of work all volunteers all volunteers all volunteers all um and then we had a lot of volunteers from the community come pitch in and help for a day or two too Mm -hmm. which was amazing we had amazing like community support business support and and sponsors and things but it's just gonna be bigger and better next year what should we look forward to in 2020 for phoenix startup week um i think we are um 
we're looking for really doing like we did in 2019, but bigger and better. Um, more speakers, probably um, higher profile speakers are going to be out there, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. But a lot more diversity, a lot more inclusion. We're going to keep that up. We were one of my um, favorite numbers, favorite statistics from the conference was most conferences um, around the world. With, this, with the exception of um, elementary education conferences, uh, you have two male speakers for every female speaker. And that is around the world. America is no better than the rest of the world in that, that right? Um, expect, ex- except for you know, elementary education. And even at elementary education conferences, there are still more male speakers than female. It's just not two to one. Yeah. And um, at Phoenix Startup Week, we had um, 46% female speakers awesome. and panelists. And um, yeah, so, and we had a lot of intersectional diversity as well, um, which is good. It's very important to have. And it was, we, going in with the con- that conscious effort to make sure we're hearing from a lot of different people, mm-hmm. um, not for the, not for the purpose of just checking boxes, but because we really want, like, the ability to hear and learn from people who think out differently than we do. And if the only people you communicate with are people who look like you and sound like you and have the same education and same creative background as you have or whatever, then you're like, you never get a new ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super lame. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, so more, um, more of what we had in 2019, hopefully, um, I don't want to throw anything out there quite yet okay. about like, but there might be some changes with, having so many locations but we liked the diversity that brought as well mm-hmm. so yeah and we will i think the call for speakers is probably going out here in the next three or four months so oh, cool yeah keep your eyes open it'll be awesome again yeah. i want to keep the energy going so this is the perfect yeah. time to start talking about it already in the summer yeah well we're looking at and i don't know if i can say this but i'm going to say it anyway <laughs> the inside scoop here on the torch well, I don't know. We have our first marketing meeting next week. So, but it's something we were talking about is doing um, quarterly events. So instead of doing just one big, huge event, we're looking at doing quarterly events um, so that we do keep the energy going. Yeah. But the events will be like, you know, a Saturday mm-hmm. or an, a, you know, an evening session or something. But I like it. Yeah. So we can keep up the community and keep it going. So sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the torch today, well, Amber. Yeah. It was fun. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed myself. We really enjoyed talking with Amber Peachin for this episode and want to thank her for coming on the show. There's a line in the interview where Amber says she relentlessly pursues joy, and I really like that. It kind of says that there's a difference between a job and a passion, and if you can find a way to make money pursuing your passions, why would you ever need a job? Amber's story wonderfully illustrates what can happen if you take the brave step to close one chapter and open the next. BBB is going to have an online auction soon, so that means we're accepting donations from businesses that would like to help support our student programs. We're looking for anything from experiences to consumer electronics, things people would be excited to get into bidding wars over. Last year, I think one of the coolest items I saw was a free membership to a boxing club for women. That's unique. That's fun. Again, all the proceeds of this auction will help fund scholarships we award to ethical high school students. If you'd like to donate to our cause, please go to auction.bbbcommunity.org. 
We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please rate and review it anywhere you listen to podcasts. I want to remind you that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or requests, you can send them to the Torch Podcast at bbbcommunity.org, and we will get back to you. See you next time, folks.